This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. You are about to listen to our uh, thoughts on the defeat to Sheffield Wednesday. These were recorded on Saturday night, so prior to Alex Neal's departure from the club. This is Tyrese Campbell, and you're listening to the Every Step Along the Way podcast. Hello, and welcome back to your latest episode of Every Step Along the Way. Now, it's been a bit of... Um, yeah, it's not... Been the greatest uh, start to December, as it was the, the recent results, and it's plummeted to new depth at home to Sheffield Wednesday this weekend. Uh, joining me today is my ever trusted partner in crime, Michael Stockley. How are you, Mike? Um, deflated, gutted, everything under the sun. I think we all know what the outcome of this is going to be, and I'm just really gutted it's come to this, if I'm honest, Dan. I think Ben will no doubt um, share who's joining us tonight. I think Ben will share similar feelings, no doubt. Uh, just the, the players have stopped playing for him. It's as simple as that. You don't you don't turn out that performance, Dan. Without if you care, you don't. So I'm just I'm just gutted. Yeah, and as you alluded to there, we also joined by Ben Rowley. How are you, mate? Why on earth have you made me do this? <laughs> It's so raw as well, is it? I, I just thought I managed to say you were coming on. It was nothing to do with me. I, I... <laughs> it's, it's, it's 10 o'clock. It's not even been five hours yet since that shower of... Oh, I, I was... I, I experienced all the negative emotions today. Hopelessness, anger, um, regret, sadness, bitterness. I just... I That... That has got to be just the the microcosm of what Stoke has been in the last possibly five years. The worst first half you can ever witness in your between two awful teams. They'll both go down at this rate. You know, we will as well. Um, you know, a first half where I don't get, I was saying to you earlier, I don't get how we can have three shots in the first half and, and only generate 0.2 not to expected goals like uh, dreadful to miss the penalty concede in the last minute um and and just the just the atmosphere being so dreadful throughout i i wish i hadn't have gone um and i'll be going on tuesday but i really wish i wasn't there's a lot of stoke fans mate listening tonight who have until Alex Neal is removed, will not go back. Uh, I can absolutely see for a fact. You check Twitter, check Facebook, check Messenger. People have genuinely had enough now. Um, so I'm just keen to. I'm, I'm just keen to I'll understand what, what makes you go back. <laughs> I'll just counter that just for Ben answers that and say there are a lot of people on Twitter tonight saying they will never go back while Alex Neal's in charge. Yet on Tuesday, there are a lot of Stoke fans who will say. Go on then, I'll go again. 
because that's just what you do. Um, but yeah, I'll let Ben answer the question now. I think, I mean, you guys know that I that I love like the psychology of football fans and like why we even bother in the first place and what keeps us going. At, at this point, I'm just an addict in the same way, you know, you can get addicted to anything because essentially going to football, particularly for Stoke in the last few years, going to football has been one big gamble on the day because you you either turn up and we lose and it's a dreadful performance and that's about 80% of the time and you wish you you really wish for a night like we had a few weeks ago against Leeds or against Sheffield Wednesday funnily enough a couple of years ago or Luton when it was Nathan Jones's last game you know you you hope and pray for a, like a crumb of something just to keep you going because it can't make up for you know at this point, I'm trying to reclaim my losses of of my of the time that I put into following this football club for the last few years. It, uh, you know, you never know. We might pull out a blind on Tuesday night, and I'll be fuming with myself if that's the game I choose to miss. Um, I can't see it. You know, I I was very much like you, Mike, when went into the game today, knowing we'd lose one nil. Absolutely no one would lose one nil. Um, when that penalty got missed, I, I, when we were awarded the penalty, I didn't stand up. I was just terrified. I was sat in my seat thinking, I, I think there's a good chance of us missing this. Lo and behold, we did. And then I turned to my dad and said, if we concede in the last minute again, he'll go. And I can't see a way back for him now. Um, but I'll but, but 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 I'll be going that because I'm a I'm a mug and an addict and I'm hoping to reclaim my losses. <laughs> it's one of those things you pay for a season ticket, I suppose. You know, you, you probably want to get your money's worth. Yeah, I, I, I get it, right? And um, I mean, Dan, what, what about the team? Because I think there was a lot of mumbles and grumbles, wasn't there, about the team? Um, and you know, players not being there and stuff like that. Uh, am I right in thinking? I, I know someone said in the messenger group that there was a lot of illness around. Um, did you get any clarification as to whether the likes of Junior and Campbell and stuff was was down to injury or illness or just not being picked? Did, have you seen any of that? Yeah, there was nothing around Campbell as such um, because we were listening. But obviously, all I heard was all the way through. I obviously listened to Paul Gallagher on Radio Stoke and. Um, he said that there'd been a bit of illness around the camp and that had led to a couple of changes, um, including obviously Jack Barnum had not been very well. And they, he obviously wasn't at the ground. He probably turned up and they sent him home, um, obviously to try and imagine, to try and not spread it any further, uh, which is obviously how Tommy Simkin ended up in goal and Blondie ended up on the bench. Um, so, yeah, there was that scenario. Yeah, obviously, with Campbell... Um, you sort of hope he is ill and it's nothing to do with him going off injured at the end of the game against Plymouth last week. Uh, but yeah, so it was sort of up against it from the start there where it was a bit of a... Yeah, the front three looked a little bit awkward. I don't like to see Jono out wide. I don't think he's a winger by any stretch. I think he's, he's, he's a, he looks a fantastic prospect played down the middle. Uh, but I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't say he's, he's a winger as such. Um, not at this stage of his career, anyway. I don't think he's got the. Um, I don't think he's maybe got the the, the strength or or you know uh, wherewithal upstairs, if you like, to, to play that role yet. Well, what was the thinking? 
around played him on the wing. I mean, Vidigal obviously was dropped again. Um, I mean, we all, we all understand since his injury has not been the same player, but um, surely you have, you know, Juno in the middle and, and Vidigal out wide if, you, you know, if you're going to play both of them, I guess. But uh, what, what's the uh, rationale unless, behind this? Unless, unless Vidigal's been feeling under the weather and he, you know, he could give him, a, you know, give him the 10 minute spirit that he did. But maybe you know anything he hadn't got enough energy, and he maybe he's he maybe he's been the one that started the illness and he's coming through the worst of it. But you know he's fitness wise or energy wise, he's, he's not quite there. Um, that's the only explanation I can sort of think for that. To be fair, but surely we've got enough Ben in 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 that team to go and beat the worst team in the league. Surely you've got. Enough in, the, in that team certainly to put up more of a fight than we did, you know, to have a clear cut chance. Because when was our first clear cut chance? Probably when Mai hit it straight against the keeper, not the penalty. I, I mean, like it was a good ball into the box and Mai hit it straight to the goalkeeper. That was our probably first really good chance of the game. And we had possibly two more after that. Um, it's absolutely pathetic, genuinely pathetic. And Sheffield Wednesday were no better. And that makes it even worse, the fact that we, we came up against utter dross and we matched them. Um, and how many times have we said that Neil can't get a tune out of this attack? Um, apart from March, where we were really good, and October, where we were you know pretty good beating the three teams that we did. Honestly, when have we ever attacked with any fluency or with any chemistry I, it's 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 just come back to bite us, and the players are now feeling it, and their confidence is absolutely shattered, and this is why we're conceding all these last-minute goals because they haven't got the nerve. They didn't have the balls in the first half. The manager admitted it that um, they haven't got the balls to play against us. Uh, also, I mean the crowd. They 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 can't play for for us. They are too nervous. Um, but you would think that. A good manager will, will be able to, you know, help them overcome that. Um, I'm, I'm just so disappointed because I, I, I really think the project's failed here, uh, and I, I can't see another way back. I mean, one thing that Dan mentioned a few weeks ago, Dan, was the um, you you were talking about going defensive when Jack Bonham first came in. You know, I think it started at Car- against Cardiff, where we seemed to really stop playing that free-flowing attacking football. It was very defensive. You know, we talk about crab football and stuff like that. That's kind of when it when it begun. Why why did we stop playing the way that, you know, had actually done us not great prior to that, but it's still, you know, you could see what we were trying to do. And I think we went from that to almost looking like we don't have a clue how to attack. I don't understand the big change U-turn in, in the way that we're approaching games. It's funny, there was Stuart Pearce um, was on TalkSport and I heard him the other day, I don't know if I mentioned this on last week's pod, but he said uh, on the, he was on about the mentality of defenders in matches and how it can alter. And he said, if you have got, if you have got a goalkeeper behind you, you don't trust as a defender, he said it will absolutely ruin you as a, as a side he said, he said, he said, you will step there, he says, and you will think to yourself, we're having all the play, we've got all, we're creating, you know, maybe not creating all the chances, we're having all the ball, it's all being dictated by us, but we, but as soon as the opposition have one effort on goal, 
this idiot behind me is going to chuck one in his own net. I know he is. He says, and, and when you're thinking that as a defender, says you don't trust a goalkeeper behind you, says, then you are in serious trouble. He says, because it dictates everything of how you play, how you go forward, as well as how you defend. And to me, I can see this. And I, I, read, I heard that comment, and I thought, you know what? That pretty much, I believe, could be the Stoke defence when Mark Travers left them playing goal and was replaced by Jack Bonham. And they're not going to come out and say that, are they? Because they're professionals. They're not going to throw him under the bus. But there's definitely different levels between the two keepers. And if they are... And then that the, the game the other week um, to Blackburn, that, that to me was maybe that exact thing. Absolutely terrified of giving the ball away because they, they were too scared about what the, the you know what what the, what was coming if they if they did. So what happens is your attacking play gets nullified by your own game because you're terrified of the opposition having the ball because you don't trust the man that sticks behind you. And that's what I think's happened. You know, it, I you know there's there's people saying that. The players aren't putting the effort in, and I, I I don't necessarily agree with that. I like there are times where I think they're being lackadaisical and they're being casual. You know, I'm not going to break the lad, but you know, Simkin in goal. You know, he wasn't exactly rushing his goal kicks, was he? I, maybe he was trying to instill a bit of calmness, but there was no urgency about his game nor anybody else on the field, to be honest with you. Um, but they look petrified absolutely petrified it, they look petrified to defend they just clear it they, 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 they're, they're too petrified to attack they just lump the ball forward and, and, and hope to get a bit of territory um, and they just don't look drilled or they just look clueless drilled and scared it, I'm, it's, it's embarrassing I mean, I can see that at home, Ben, but even when we go away, you know, we go to QPR, we go to, to Plymouth, you know, we, we're not in front of a home crowd then, but again, they play crap. Uh, they, they, he keeps talking in these press conferences about these 10 minutes here and these 15 minutes here. It's a 90-minute match, Alex. 10, 15-minute spells isn't good enough. And again today, oh, we had, we had a 15-minute spell. Whoop-de-flipping-doo. Again, it's a 90-minute match. We're at home against the team bottom of the league. And he's banging on about 10, 15-minute spells. It's, it's stuff like that that infuriates people, though. I know he's trying to hang on to any chasm of, you know, positivity. But Jesus Christ, he, he doesn't make his, his own life hard. So, yes, OK, at home they can be afraid. But away from home, the, the worst case, they've probably got between one and 3,000 fans um, that they're, they're having to go at. It doesn't excuse the the shocking substitutions. It doesn't it it doesn't excuse the the poor play and the lack of actually yeah the lack of identity we've all of a sudden got. At least before I knew Alex Neal was trying to play front football, closing down. You know, where, whenever the opposition got the ball, we don't do that now. It, it, it's I, I don't know. I think like a lot of Stoke fans, we're all sitting here. Shrugging her shoulders to say, "Well, what's gone wrong? Where, where did this come off the rails?" And I, I genuinely don't know. But he looks a dejected man tonight. The thing is, what well, I mean, you say that about Sheffield Wednesday being bottom of the league. I mean, the guy we were sitting with today at the game, um, 
Jason Rowe with, and he he was like we were discussing that, and we were both really positive people. Like you were always like try and find like the the, the, the positivity in anything, and we both were always like he's he's got to go now. Yeah, he's he's destined. I don't think there's any turning back, and we we're like there's no. There was no um, sort of patterns to anything. There was nothing he was trying to do. You like, you couldn't look at the team and think, how are they trying to play? How are they trying to do anything? They all look lost out there. Um, like I say, they didn't, didn't seem to understand what each other wanted them to do. They didn't seem to know each other's roles uh, and what they should be doing and what the teammates would be doing. And, and Sheffield Wednesday, yeah, they're bottom of the league, but we both said they are one of the worst, if not the worst side I have seen since we got relegated in 2018 in this division. And that's, and I don't want to, you know, fair play, I mean, it's not sour grapes. They won, they deserve, you know, they won the game, they took their chance and they got the three points. And that, that's how football goes. But, you know, they, they couldn't put two passes together. Now, I also agree, and I think it it's maybe been lost to a slight degree, that the, the conditions weren't fantastic for playing football. But you adapt your game in that case. You know, the wind, there was wind swirling, you kept, so, you know, we were three quarters back in the stand, and you hit your face every now and again. You can see the short, you know, blowing around, you can see the corner flags. So if that's the case, then you adapt. You adapt your game, don't you? You keep the ball low. You keep your you, you passes short and crisp. You don't smack it long, where it's you know swirling around in the wind, and, and then wonder why you can't keep the ball for long. Well, you um, do, but it's also it's also windy for both sides. Like the yeah. weather is oh, never yeah. an excuse. Oh, yeah. they, were, yeah, they, were, they were crap as well. <laughs> they were awful, but we were we were awful too. In that first half, it was two dreadful teams um, struggling to understand the concept of passing the ball to a teammate. Um, after the break, they came out. They came out and played as if they would had a rocket. Um, at half time because they came out there for about 15 minutes they were on top there was there was Christmas they were they were driving forward um they were they were you know you had the midfielders making runs into attacking areas uh, and then it was one wave after wave after wave it was culminated in the penalty and the penalty got missed and that just killed seemed to kill the momentum um Larice dropped off straight away um Juno uh, obviously he was he was Drifting inside a lot more. When he drifted inside, he was being involved. Um, the the fullbacks sort of stopped getting involved. Uh, the one, I tell you what, one one player who did impress me today. And I think fair play, I'll end up and say you know he, he's had a lot of criticism this season off a lot of people. But yeah, I thought Josh Loren, and people could argue and maybe say otherwise, but I thought he he actually um, had a very good game today. For, for the role he did, I think there was not much going on around him, but I thought he carried on plugging away, he carried on trying, and he was he was always the one sort of front, like say from midfield trying to break lines. He was always pressuring and and pushing forward, uh, and he looked like he had a distinctive role that he knew what he was doing to him personally. But the rest of them, it was a bit, a bit like a very much, um, yeah, the one didn't know what was going on. <laughs> What did you make about the defending for the goal, both of you? I mean, I mean, it was a nice little bit of a move for them, but we just—you've got to be stronger. I mean, Chris, take the guy down, take the red card. I mean, you can't let him I'm, run on, can you? 
I'm I'm delighted that with you know like with what ten minutes to go he thinks I better stick on another centre back just in case something happens and then all three of them had a chance to bring a player down draw the foul hell in the 90th minute when we've lost three games in a row from you know conceding late just rugby tackle them bring them round the neck and drag them down and take the red card and go walk down the dressing room tunnel because none of them did none of them had the spine to do it and look what happened and I, I, you know obviously there's been so many events leading up to this moment but I think those three centre-backs that moment has got Neil sacked I think I can't see a way back from that and it, it, it it's just the 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 straw that broke the camel's back I think was the the defending for that goal and it being scored in the last minute to lose against bottom of the league is unforgivable. I would probably argue though, Ben, that even if it's a draw, he he has to go. Like a, a, nothing but three points was acceptable today. I don't even think a yeah, point would say. I, I I think you're right in in theory, um, and I'd have been a bit fed up. But to lose the game, I was apoplectic today and so were the rest of the supporters I don't think you'd have quite heard you know the level of dissent that we did and not quite perhaps the mass exodus that we had at full time had we have drawn nil nil um, you know we know things happen we know we've not played well we know we're we're in a bit of a struggle but to then go and lose to it you know you said it you know we played well in 10-15 minute spells it took 15 seconds for them to score through nothing but bullying three you know one a really good young centre back um, you know Marco Rose has played at a decent level as well for a while and then Kieran Clark is is the most culpable of them had the biggest chance to throw the, the goal scorer to the ground and barely touched him um, it's negligence on, on the highest level um, and I and I think if if there was any desire instilled by the manager into them, then like I say, that that goal would have never happened in the first place. I mean, Dan, but what did you think about Alex Neil walking off the pitch? I think it was Rory or somebody shared a video on Twitter, and it, you know, Alex didn't go to the fans, he didn't do anything, he just had his head down, walked straight off the pitch. Um, is that embarrassment? Or is that just accepting his fate? Like, you'd imagine that when John and John Coates met him on Monday, which I think is normally the day that they have the, the discussions about the prior game and stuff like that, it sounds like he probably gave Alex a bit of a a bit of backing. But when you see him walk down the the pitch like that, and obviously all the chance that he got, which we'll we'll got some audio for, we'll play that in a minute. But um, he he, he looks like I say he looks completely and utterly dejected. His press conference was head down at his. I don't know. He, he's a shadow of himself. If I'm honest, he just he, he seems to accept his fate. I think. Yeah. To be fair, I mean the players that did try and come round. Tommy Simkin got a warm round of applause from from all the supporters as he sort of approached the booth at the end of that. Um, but the other fight, I mean, Gooch tried to go, you know, as he does after every game, went to you know, all four corners of the ground to applaud, uh, as did uh, Michael Rose. And I was looking around, and all people were doing were giving him the old, uh, the old um, reverse, reverse wave, shall we say. Uh, 
and then you know sticking fingers up and everything and, and abuse and you say well if they don't come and do it they'll be slated for not coming out and and you know um, applauding the fans and whatever and, and when they do do it they're just going to get abused and screamed at and and you've know, done like that so it's like well so it's a lose-lose situation for them, aren't they? he probably yeah, he, the fans had made their feelings towards him quite perfectly clear. If he'd have gone in front of them and and tried to applaud and whatever, I think he would have only gone even further, do you know what I mean, and, and made an even bigger example of, of how he felt. And to be honest, if he wants to keep his job, that's probably what he needs to avoid right now. Because the more that the more he, he gives the board um, the impression that the fans have literally turned without any chance of it of him being able to pull him back then uh, yeah the, the last chance he's got of still being in charge come Tuesday and beyond I mean does anyone on, on this call now think that he's got any way back I'd, I'd be shocked by the time this podcast goes out if he hasn't gone personally I I think now is the time that he needs to go um, if he's still in charge on Tuesday then he's going to walk into a very interesting atmosphere. Um, I said before the game that these two home games could be the best thing he needed in that those two winnable home games to get him back on track, relieve a bit of pressure, but they could also be the two worst things, you know, a terrible thing for him because if we lost the first one and we've now done that, the second one, three days later, he is going to know straight away, I imagine, um, just exactly how the fans feel and that is not going to be pretty if he's still in charge Well I said exactly the same thing didn't I pre, pre-QPR I said if he goes into these three matches he'll be, he'll be gone Well I think so because I think if you if you think of the next the next three games right um, you know, we've got QPR then we're away, away to Plymouth as well and then we're at home to Sheffield Wednesday. It just feels that if he loses to QPR, we could lose to Plymouth. I mean, we'll break down Plymouth in a week or so's time. But Plymouth aren't pushovers. I know there's a couple of positions below us, but, you know, they're, they're not an awful side. Um, so, yeah, for, for me, Dan, if I'm honest, if we go into that Sheffield Wednesday game and Alex Neal will be under serious, serious pressure. Um, and I think if <laughs> I think if we lost to Sheffield at home, he would potentially be gone. Ben, do you see any way back for him? Or I mean, I know none of us really wanted it to end like this. I mean, I think we could all say that we wanted it to work out. It might not have been perfect, and might have been a few, you know, a couple of years before we got progression, you know, serious progression. But um, I didn't see it coming this quickly. If I'm honest, I thought we may have had enough. Um, but is there any way back for him for you, Ben? Um, no, I, I've I've lost all faith completely. Um, and I think I said on the pod recently that you know, sacking the manager is is the nuclear option for me. I I hate it. Um, I think it shows how much of a of a failure the last year has been. Um, and I think it shows how much of a failure the setup has been as a club for the last six years, to be honest. Um, this manager-led approach where it is essentially a dictatorship other than the Coates family at the top, it needs to stop because we are constantly hanging ourselves around the neck by the manager reshaping the club every time. Um, the manager era needs to stop here. Um, 
I, I don't know when we'll actually sack him because we know how much John Coates wanted to bring Neil in the, in the first place and you know the, the 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 emotional side of him will probably want to keep him around for a bit longer um, but logically I have not seen anything like I say other than the good spells um, to 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 prove to me that he can turn this round I can't name a single player since he's been here that he has developed or improved if anything people like Josh Tymon Josh Laurent Lewis Baker um, I'm trying to think. Ben Wilmot, Tyrese Campbell, they've all regressed as players. I think they are worse players. And I think those that we've signed will only get worse as well. Um, I don't. I, I, I just think he, you know, he was good 10 years ago for Norwich and he's possibly the youngest dinosaur in football. Um, and I think we've fallen foul to just John Coates falling in love with a manager again and I, I, yeah it's 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 got to stop here and as much as I, you know I'm grateful for the owners putting as much money in it as they have and accepting financial responsibility they've got to relinquish football and control and give it to people who know what they're doing so I guess the question to both of you then um, Alex Neil goes tomorrow just for argument's sake um what happens? So the one thing that I put in, into our group chat with with Dan and, and Tom was that I could see that Ryan Shawcross would probably come in uh, for a couple of games just while that you know, they they sought out a replacement manager because the, these things you, you know what probably John and Co are like they they probably haven't got a backup ready to go you know they'd have to go and find somebody buy someone out of their contract or whatever it takes a few weeks. So do you think that Shawcross is a likely person to come in? temporarily you know someone who who Dan pointed out to me was you know Shawcross would be a, a fan's favorite wouldn't it so it would loosen the uh, the grip around his neck a little bit uh, for a couple of weeks um do you see any other alternative I mean obviously Hacking Bottom is 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 available people keep mentioning John Eustace we're not going to mention Cooper um, because Cooper isn't he's not he's not sacked as he from from Forest I think they may have won last time I looked I can't remember um you know, there's there's so many names banded around, but if you think about who's actually available, is there anyone who can come in and, and get a tune out of this current crop, in your opinion? Um, or is it Shawcross takes it for a few games and sees what happens? Um, I think in terms of caretaker, uh, I was sort of half joking on Twitter when I said, it, yeah, it probably will be the start of Ryan Shawcross's thousand game managerial career at Stoke where he sees us win the Champions League, the FA Cup and the World Cup and all this. Um, but in reality, it, it it won't be him and it shouldn't be him. Um, to bring him in at this stage would be absolutely catastrophic for you know his his reputation at Stoke and, and and for our future. You know we are two points off relegation. We can't afford to have somebody with no first team manager experience at all to be in charge. Um, yeah, absolutely, I, I, I agree. I, I think in terms of a caretaker, it could be Gallagher. It could be Alex Morris, who's in charge of the under-21s. Um, both of them have some sort of experience with first-team football, so they would be sensible, I think. Um, in terms of an actual manager, I don't care. 
it it is probably going to be a Jared Dublin international buffet special anyway. So I I I honestly don't care. It'll be a manager that we've probably never heard of, um, and I hope it is as well. I hope it's a complete reset. I'm very glad that Chris Wilder got snapped up by Sheffield United this week because I think it will be him, and I think that that would end in tears as well because of how much control he wants at a football club. It'll be the same job all over again. Um, yeah, at this point, I'm, I'm, I'm beyond caring. Mowbray. Um, it stinks of a Mowbray type situation to me. <laughs> part I don't, I don't part want of me him, agrees with you. But is he not a very John Coates type manager? Possibly, in terms of you know his nationality and 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 the way he is certainly, um, and and perhaps he get the best out of players too. That's sort of what he's known to 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 do well. But at the end of the day, he's hardly got the best relationship with Stoke, has he? I know that's not stopped us in the past necessarily with signing players, but um, yeah, I'm 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 less sold on Mowbray purely off a personal opinion, nothing really concrete. So obviously, everyone made their thoughts quite clear at the end of the game, as we, as we all very well know. So here's a couple of clips that I've pulled off of uh, Twitter and stuff, and also a couple of things that we've been sent. So uh, a little bit of audio, give us a bit of a break and trying to recover from our absolute miserable attitudes <laughs> on this particular pod. So uh, let's have a quick listen to those. Ben, so um, you gained sacked in the morning and all the abuse and stuff that he had. Um, it was kind of coming, wasn't it? I think it was pretty obvious as soon as that goal went in, it wasn't going to be a, a pleasant atmosphere, um, kind of to be expected. Yeah, like I say, worst possible loss in history, you know, playing against bottom, bottom of the league who have been dreadful, who play dreadfully, um, having an awful first half, missing a penalty, conceding a last minute goal that sends us two points off relegation. Considering the last three or four games that we've had, yeah, I, I, the, my frustration was beyond anything I've ever experienced at football. You know, I wasn't necessarily joining in with the singing, but I was saying, get out get out of our club I, you know you don't deserve to be here get out um, part of me feels a little bit embarrassed I do I do re- regret somebody having to listen to that it must be horrible same for the players at full time um, but the same for booing and, and the like I completely understand it and, and it's part of football and uh, I'm no I'm not surprised at all just to round off this horrendous <laughs> part of the podcast a part that we probably neither of us wanted to record um, but before we kind of get into all of that we've had some great audio come through so uh, we've got some audio from Laurie also Nath uh, so all Stoke fans obviously have given their thoughts on the uh, result Fate, well, safe to say that they're not going to be uh, very happy with things so let's have a quick listen to what all you guys had to say in these post-match interviews, what what are they? Are they even explanations? Just <laughs> it, it, he talks some shit. I, I don't even know why we're accepting this for so long. He should have gone weeks ago, absolute weeks ago. Hi guys, Laurie here. Just giving you my review of today's uh, fixture uh, against Sheffield Wednesday. One nil defeat, four defeats in a row. It is really starting to become a poisonous place over at the Britannia. I don't really know what the answers are. I'm 
in previous weeks, I haven't been somebody that has been calling for Neil's head, but it's it's becoming really apparent that he could have lost the dressing room. The boys aren't running for him anymore. And today they look like 11 strangers, 1 to 11. We were we were incredibly poor today. Uh, you wouldn't have known who was bottom of the league with with the with the all-round performances. Um and yeah, I don't think anyone was too surprised that that we missed the penalty as well. Like I as soon as it got given, I was very I was I was very fifty fifty about it in in terms of a who was going to take it and then um, Ryan Mai didn't didn't look uh, confident uh, stepping up to it and it was it, it was saved so yeah I, I, lots of lots of question marks about the team lots of question marks about the the, the manager where do we go to next. What what sort of state are the fans going to be in? Confidence is very low. Um, he's he's losing the fans. The fans booed the team today, and rightly so. Uh, they were incredibly poor, and they didn't deserve the applause. Um, I I of course um, I, I'm not qualified to to make to make the decisions there, but I think I think change is imminent. And I think I think that may have been his last game, or or perhaps uh, in in our in our next match. If if it's uh, if it's another loss, I think that's kind of seals his fate. But onwards and and hopefully upwards. But I, I just worry about yeah what what next? Almost like a. <sighs> is it a, to be continued or is it is it going to be is it going to be somebody new who knows but d- bitterly disappointed today and i know i share that that feeling with the rest of uh, the stokies and uh, i feel for all of us at the moment we're we're going to the game and and we're not being entertained and uh, i i feel that has has played a massive part in 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 the fans um it, or should I say that the lack of fans uh, going to the fixtures uh, for those that do go really good on them, but people will will, will make decisions with with their feet, and at the moment, some deciding to go, and sometimes uh, probably won't want to go uh, whilst Neil's manager. Our Facebook group's been really active tonight. Uh, lots of Neil outs and lots of question marks, but. Yeah, um, thanks for listening to my thoughts and and hopefully things change in the future. But um, I'm yeah, I, I'm really worried. Alex Neil needs to go. Needs to go. Absolutely, I can't be dealing with it. Absolutely, it's there's nothing. There's no passion. There's, I can't even feel myself getting excited at the ground anymore. I can't feel myself getting up in the morning to want to go watch this game. It's everything about Stoke City at the moment is driving me absolutely crazy. Spent all this money in uh, the transfer window, summer window, and yet we're standing here in what joint third from bottom, I think, and it's. What sort of team, as big as us, as rich as us, should be sitting this far down? We shouldn't be doing this. I know I, I can be delusional because I'm a Stoke fan, and I've always loved Stoke. 
but I don't even know what I'm loving at the moment. It's it's hurting me to watch. It really is. Alex Neal has single-handedly destroyed my love for this club. I know managers in the past have done the same, uh, Lambert, and it was horrible. We've had some shit managers, we really have. But this, this takes the fucking biscuit, this does. Alex Neal, ugh. Yeah, he did well at Sunderland. Should have stayed there. Should have stayed there. Oh, my God, if we get bloody Tony Mowbray now, oh, that'd be even... That'd wind me up even more. It's, but then again, Sunderland are higher in the league than what we are. But still, it's just... I can't... I can't... I wanted to say something good. I wanted to just get a little bit of positivity out of there. The only positive is Sim King's got his debut. Well done, lad. Well done, lad. Good on you. But he had to go against Sheffield Wednesday. Oh, my God, what is going on with our club? It's like, I, I may have just muttered a lot during this, but I'm, I'm lost for words, absolutely lost for words. Alex Neal needs to go. But I'm saying this, and I don't even know what manager could come to us to turn us around. We seem like we're stuck in a rut. We play for 90 minutes, and even that we don't do well. And then as soon as that 90-minute mark goes, it's like the lads give up. Oh, we've only got six minutes going. Let's just, let's just pass the ball around and chill and then open the defence up so they can score again. Again. How many goals is this in 90-plus minutes now? Honestly, I, I, can't, I can't believe this happens. This is our club that we're watching going down the pan. Honestly, I... I I wish I, 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 I wish I could say more, but I'm actually lost for words. I can't, I, I can't see us improving anytime soon. Well, the cheers, chaps. Thank you very much. So yeah, obviously not very happy. And let's face it, who can, who can blame you? Um, and based on some of the comments, um, you may very much get your wish when it comes to Alex Neal. You never know. Um, Dan, so before we round this off, uh, man of the match, I'm sure it wasn't a very easy one considering that, well, everyone played crap. Um, what did everyone go for as man of the match? Uh, yeah, so there was a few, about five or six players that don't get any votes. Uh, Lyndon Gooch was third with 10% of the vote. Uh, June Hobe was second with 22% and then a resounding uh, victory for a young Tommy Simkin on debut. He got 66% of the vote. Um, didn't have a great deal to do, did he? But what he did do, he did well. Um, yeah, didn't really have a much. You know, the goal wasn't really his fault. He came out, made himself big, just slotted it past him. Um, but yeah, looked very assured for a young lad thrown in, thrown in for his debut. And yeah, sixty-six percent of those. I'm sure that's probably most of the reason why people voted for him. Yeah, I'm sure he would have learned a hell of a lot from that game. To be honest, I know he didn't have an awful lot to do, but I suppose as debuts go, you don't really get much easier than that. No, I was really impressed with his distribution, you know. He was like pinging balls 50, 60 yards, you know, to feet to head. So, you know, he was picking Larice out from there. I mean, there was one time he came came running out to the edge of his box to make a clearance and he kicked and his, 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 you know, he caught the ball full full on and it bounced, you know, it literally bounced on the edge of the opposition's box. So I was like, he's got a decent you know, he's got a decent length kick on him, but he's also really accurate with his with his mid to longer range kicking as well. So, yeah, we've got something to work with there and that keeper. I'm, I'm, I was very impressed with him. I don't think, actually, I wouldn't like to think that he was going to be in there every week at the minute. I think, um, you know, he's got a lot of learning to do, but there's definitely signs of a decent player in there. 
Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, we'll see where his career goes. Hopefully, it's uh, one very much for the future. Um, anything else you want to talk about before we move on? Yes, yeah, so I'll just throw some news out there. Um, so, the women have lost in their FA Cup tie. So, they went up to Newcastle, uh, undefeated Newcastle, professional side in the Stokes League, but they're the only pro team in there. Um, and in fact, I was looking, they've only conceded one goal all season, Newcastle have, and that was to Stoke when Stoke travelled up to Newcastle earlier on in the season. Um, so, yeah, Stoke went up there, but unfortunately, we were beaten 5 0. It was, uh, yeah, 1 0 at half time. And yeah, they prefer the Stoke girls to themselves proud. You know, the, the, I watched it, it was on YouTube. Um, so, I watched the game and I went to still five. And I think they just tied towards the end and a couple of a few goals went in. Um, but yeah, the, the, um, there was certainly no no shame in the performance from the from the Stoke women's team. Uh, a couple of other things. Ian Camger, 18-year-old defender, he's joined Stafford Rangers on a four-week loan. And Stoke's FA Cup tie against Brighton has been... Uh, it's not going to be on TV. It's not going to be moved to Sunday like a lot of FA Cup ties have been in recent years. It is going to be Saturday, 6th of January, 3pm kickoff at the Bet365 Stadium. Lovely. Well, um, that pretty much does it. I'm, I'm sure we're probably um, quite depressed after all that so if you've managed to make it through to this without turning off then congratulations let's uh, let's look ahead well 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 what a change less than 24 hours makes i mean during the schedule we normally have for recording uh we've gone from the conversation you've just turned around you know what the future of alex neil is to well we know what the future of alex neil is and that's him down the job center because alex neil's been sacked uh, as we record right now sunday evening so down we kind of said we Saw it coming. We thought it may be Monday. We thought it could be today. And you were right. It was today. I know we kind of saw it coming, but I'm also a little bit kind of, um, a bit like I said at the start of the, you know, of, of the pod, I'm a little bit sad that it's come to this. I think he probably had to. He wasn't going to survive that kind of abuse that he got at the end of the game. But it still doesn't stop it being a sad situation, and and you know God knows where we're going to be now, um, kind of going into this. But before I get your overall thoughts, I'm just going to read the statement from from John Coates anyway that they released. Uh, so Alex is a man of absolute integrity. He was given all for Stoke City, and we'd like to thank him for his hard work during his time at the club. We're grateful for the building blocks he's helped put in place and bringing together a group of players in whom we have a huge amount of faith regarding their ability to turn things around this season and who could help us achieve longer-term success. However, with the way the results have been so far, we've made a difficult decision to seek a new direction for the team at this time. Nothing matters to me more than the success of our club, and we are now working towards an appointment of Alex's successor. Technical director Ricky Martin added, the recruitment process is now underway and will explore all avenues to secure the best person for the job. The role represents a fantastic opportunity and anticipate it will be able to attract a high calibre of candidates. And he finishes with saying, with Martin Cannon having also left the club with our sincere thanks for his hard work of Alex's assistant, Paul Gallagher has been installed as caretaker manager ahead of the forthcoming home fixture against Swansea. And uh, Paul will be assisted by Alex Morris, Ryan Shawcross and Jonathan Gould. We wish them all well for Tuesday evening's game. So pretty, um, pretty out of the blue in some respects, like I said, but still very much expected. They were clearly not very impressed. Uh, with the result and obviously the reaction from uh, the fans as well. So, Dan, uh, what do you make of the second? It was coming, wasn't it? I think if he didn't get off him before Tuesday, it definitely would have happened after Tuesday. So, 
Yeah, I think it's unfortunate for his course. It would have been lovely for it to have worked. I hate, hate changing managers because it means, I think Ben said it himself, it's like an acceptance of failure, isn't it? But after the crowd reaction at the weekend, there was no way he could have turned that back round. And Tuesday would have just been waiting for something to go wrong. So they've made the right call for me. Um, yeah, I think even if they'd have won Tuesday, it would have just been papering over the cracks. There wasn't enough signs of anything happening. I'm not sure if the players have stopped playing for him. I wouldn't know if I go that far, but just think maybe they were understanding of what he wanted them to do. You see, I'm with, I'm on the other side of this a little bit. Not not the actual situation, but the comment about not playing for him and stuff like that. I mean, me personally, mate, that stunk of a performance where the players weren't playing for him. Uh, it, it, it makes you it makes you wonder, like I said, what the you know what the actual what's made this happen because I I didn't think we looked that bad earlier on the season. You know, we've had some of the high scoring games and it's Rotherham, right? But, you know, it hasn't been dreadful all season. It just seems to have been very, very inconsistent. Um, I don't think that's a, a real shock, but almost like a steady decline. And I think when you think about us as a club, since we got relegated, it has just been one steady decline after another. Um, and, you know, I, I really was hoping that he, you know, even you know, the three wins that we got against Borough, Leeds and Sunderland, you know, the, the great results. And then you look at those ne- next six fixtures and you think, wow, OK, we have now a chance to go and get, you know, 15 plus points and we should get 15 plus points in theory. And we've ended up, I mean, I haven't got the fixtures in front of me, but we've ended up with next to nothing from them which is, I think, the reason he's been sacked. I mean, you know what it's like, Dan, as soon as the fans turn, which they obviously did from the, the audio that I've played, that was the end of it, wasn't it? At the Swansea game, I was looking for some stats on that. And for this example, we haven't scored at home for 280 minutes, and even that was the known goal scored by a Leeds player. It's been 403 minutes since the Stoke player scored in a home game, which was McNally against Sunderland. That alone is not going to be acceptable, is it? Not with the talent that we've we've potentially got at this club, it's not that we've got no strikers. I mean, obviously, we'll take out Dwight Gale from that. I'm, I'm talking about talent here, so yeah, I'll take Dwight Gale out of that and just say that Luke, you know, we have got more than enough players who know how to put the ball in the net, um, and they've all just gone off the boil. And it just makes you think we're not privy to the stuff behind the scenes, but it just makes you think whether something's happened. I mean, I was sent um, a comment from somebody earlier. And I don't know how accurate it is, but um, on, it seems to be coming from some publication. But it says, as results nosedive during the November international break, the players were given a week off. And it's alleged that Neil went to Dubai on holiday. On their return, Stoke lost three on the bounce, conceding nine goals. I suppose any sort of pop sports physio will tell you that if top athletes don't do anything for a week, then or at least drop, drop their levels for a week, then you're going to lose fitness. And it's, I mean, there might be something in that because if you look at the last four games, we've conceded, what, five goals in injury time in the last plus an 86-minute goal in the last four matches. So if they've dropped their fitness, dropped their sharpness, I mean, I don't know if it's true or not. I, I have no idea. Um, but, and this is, like I said, the first I've heard of is what you've just told me there, but it would actually fit in with the recent performances, if that is true, and the negative effect that something like that can have. But you would also think they're an experienced manager like Neil 
would totally understand and get that that would create issues. So I guess then, Dan, the question is, he's gone. We all know he's gone. Um, John Eustace is the early front runner. You're not really uh, surprised by that, obviously. Um, do you think John Eustace is likely to be the man? I mean, he sounds like I've said it you know, a couple of times. I said it on the uh, the Twitter Spaces one that we had. Um, he sounds like a very John Coates type of um, signing, really. Do, do you really see past John Eustace? Do you think anyone might come in a bit left field? Um, I can definitely see him being up there. I think talk of Potter for me is outlandish and a bit too far-fetched. I don't think he's entertained going to Stoke. Um, obviously, no, no brain ref. He does want to come, but I just can't see it at all that he'd be interested. Um, all the managers. He's, he's currently second favourite. Sorry, sorry, Dan. He's currently second favourite in the betting. <laughs> that, that's all the Stoke fans lumping on him. It is, isn't it? Um, yeah, all the managers. I mean, somebody mentioned the uh, Liam Williams. Then the Notts County. I wouldn't turn that down. I think he's got. Um, but then it's a gamble, isn't it? Bringing somebody up from League Two who's in the National League, expecting them to work with Championship players and that. Yeah. The thing is, with that, is he going to command the respect exactly, of the yeah. players there? That that's a big, big question mark. I think you know we're going to have some players who are who fancy themselves quite a lot in terms of you know their ability, uh, maybe in the mirror as well, but generally their ability so you know you need someone who's going to be able to to manage that man is used to managing foreign players used to managing players who are going out on international duty and how to manage that situation i just think you need that proven background so i know what you're saying it's it feels almost like a nathan jonesy type situation if we brought him in he might be a great manager i'm not going to claim to know an awful lot about him uh yeah i mean john eustace is is top of the runnings with even money uh, Graham Potter is eight to one. Stephen Schumacher of of Plymouth. Um, the uh, I'm not sure what you think about about that, uh, but Schumacher's next. Michael Beale of Rangers is uh, is up there as well. And then you know Nuno Santo, Scott Parker, Paul Heckingbottom are generally around there. Um, Dean Smith again is another one. I don't know. I, there's there's so many too many names there. Whoever it is, I just hope that they recruit for the squad we've got. Like, say to a manager, "Yep, yeah, fine, you're brilliant, you want the job. This is this is the squad. These are what the strengths are. This is how we want them to play. And, you know, can you do that? Is that what you're willing to do? Can you work with that? And then go, yeah, brilliant. You do? Great, you've got the job. But we don't want somebody coming in down the other end of the scale who's bringing another 15 players in because then we will not recover from that for another three or four years financially again. Yeah, and then before you know it, we've been in this league for 15 years and we're nothing more than just a run-of-the-mill club. Which, let's face it, that's what we are right now. <laughs> we are just we are just another club making up the numbers in the championship, which is a real shame. It's a real fall from grace, that really. But, you know, I think you, you kind of made a comment, you know, for, for a lot of things when people are on about Graham Potter. And I think people need to understand, you know, we're all ambitious. We all want to be the best. We want to get promoted, etc. But we are still just a mediocre cup championship club right now. As horrible as it is to hear that, like we aren't anything special. And I think that probably the sooner we realise that, but also see the 
the ability as a club. You know, we've we've got rich owners. We we might disagree with how they've managed the club um, in recent years. The amount of managers, the you know the the decisions they make. Fair enough. We've still got top facilities, a decent stadium, f- you know, financially s- stable owners. So we've got some good building blocks. I just think we either need a little bit of luck, a little bit of good decision, maybe a bit of both, um, because the ability to be a top club again is very much there. But it's going to take probably more time now. I mean, people were hoping that Alex was going to come in, you know, lay the foundations here, and then next season push on for promotion. Even that's sounding difficult. We're going to have to do extremely good recruitment to be challenging for a promotion place next year. It's so horrible to say, but... I just hope we don't waste another two or three years. That's the that's the big danger, isn't it, when you're changing managers? But yeah, um, so obviously we've discussed potential managers coming in. Uh, we know full well what everybody thinks uh, about certain replacements. Now, what do you think is going to happen? Let's let's move on to to Swansea. Dan. Picture the scene: all of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. What do you think is going to happen against Swansea? Are you thinking that there's going to be some wholesale changes? Do you think if there is wholesale changes that you know that that's going to be quite indicative of what you know the Paul Gallagher thinks about who should be playing? Do you think? Um, I don't know. I think there's always when, when an caretaker manager comes in, I think there's always a bit of a freshen up because I think the fact the manager's gone, you sort of need that, and it's sort of got a free hit into Paul Gallagher. He probably knows he's not going to get the job full time, um, so yeah, he can come in, he can just make chuck a few um, different lines in, and that hopefully get a reaction and go from there. I mean, I think Junior, I think Bonham will be back in goal as long as he's recovered from illness. Uh, junior, I imagine they'll be at right back. Uh, I think, you know, if Campbell's back, he, I'd imagine he'd be back in the side. And then John Howell will go more central. Uh, Vidigal might come back in on the left. Yeah, for me, I, I, all those players, I think, could come back in. You know what? <laughs> You've pretty much just named my team. <laughs> so yeah, I, I was going to go with um, the the similar similar. Actually, know the exact same team. Actually, I think Rose and McNally in the middle, just because I think Clark's been so disappointing. Um, like I, I know he's probably a little bit um, trying to get it back up to speed, but I, he just seems way off the pace. And I know we needed cover there, but I thought, yeah, Rose hasn't been great, but he's certainly, he's been better than what we've seen from Clark. So I think that's a, a, a definite uh, one there. Um, I think Juno needs to go in that middle. He needs to be behind a striker. He's not a winger. He should not be playing on the wing. Um, so I think, you know, having having Berger and Juno um, in there is definitely the way we need to go. And I'm with you. I think Campbell, Vidigal uh, and Ryan May, uh, need to be in there, and you know, if there has been a little bit of discontent behind the scenes, maybe this is the refresh that the players need as well. So um, I think we're on the same wavelength as far as teams go. It'd be interesting to see what the actual atmosphere is like on Tuesday, uh, whether it's going to be flat or um, 
I, I wonder if there's going to be an announcement before Tuesday. We 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 joked, didn't we, on the uh, the Twitter Spaces that maybe there's going to be somebody in the stands. Do you think that's likely, or do you think that's uh, wishful thinking? I think they'll, they'll do well to get somebody there for Tuesday, uh, especially if they've not. It depends if they've thought that this this is coming. If they've seen this coming for a few weeks and they've started putting sort of calls out, there might well be somebody there Tuesday. But I also can see that this has come out of the blue. Maybe they've been shocked by the reaction yesterday. Yeah, you've got to go, sorry. And they're going to be starting from scratch, maybe. I can definitely see that as what's maybe happening as well. I think it's really important that we don't rush into the decision. Uh, but I, yeah, I, I get it. I think Tuesday's a bit wishful thinking. Uh, but like you said, it's kind of almost like a bit of a, a free hit um, in, in some respects um, as well. Um, let's have a listen to a bit of audio again, actually. Let's uh, give ourselves a little bit of a break here. So, uh, Mr. Graham McGarry, hoping that, Graham, you can pick us up with um, a positive prediction. We need a positive prediction. I think I got the 1-0 uh, correct, unfortunately, against Sheffield Wednesday, so I finally got a correct score. But, yeah, let's listen to, to Graham and, and see if he can perk our spirits a little bit. Well, here we go once again, you Potter predictors. A new manager might be on his way. Who knows? But your former manager has now departed and you will start afresh on Tuesday night when you take on Swansea City at the Bet365 Stadium. Let's hope there's going to be cheers and not booze ringing around the Bet365 around about 10 o'clock on Tuesday night. Of course, you know who's in charge of the team. Paul Gallagher, Alex Morris, Ryan Shawcross have been given the task to sit in and hopefully prepare the team and hopefully get a result on the pitch come Tuesday night. Now Alex Neal has finally been sacked. Swansea, well, they come into the game, of course, managerless. Interesting, isn't it? How many managers are losing the jobs at the moment? Well, can Stoke City finally get a much-needed three points and give the home fans something to enjoy for the rest of the week? Come on, you Potters. Let's have some goals. Let's have some winning ways back at the Bet365. Stoke 2, Swansea 1. Cheers, Graham. Much appreciated. Um, and uh, yeah, so a win, uh, 100%. I will take that all day long. I think it would give everyone the boost that they absolutely need. Uh, and speaking of audio, let's go and listen to our friends from Swansea. Uh, I'd imagine that after their win against Rotherham that they're feeling quite buoyant as well. Uh, and uh, it's considering we've obviously sacked our manager, uh, it's probably one of them ones where they're probably hoping to kind of capitalise. So let's listen to our friends from Swansea and see how confident they are as well. Hi all, thanks for having me on the podcast as always. Um, I find this match quite an interesting one for Swansea. It's the second game in a row. We're going into a game where neither team has got a manager. We obviously just beat Rotherham away in what was not a very good game to watch and one of those where you're just happy to get over the line and get the job done. I think it was important for us to get a win there after Michael Duff was sacked and maybe can start the new era even though we don't know who the new manager is going to be. Um, and yeah, fresh start for us. I mean, he's trying to build from there. I guess yourselves are a little bit behind one game behind in terms of sacking your manager, but find yourselves in the same boat as us. So whether you get a bounce, which we, we could say we had a new manager bounce, whether you get that against us when we come up on Tuesday will be very interesting. But I think both teams be looking to kind of prove a point and make a statement. And maybe there's more in the team than what's been offered this season so far for both teams. 
and now the fact the manager position has changed will will that show uh, it'll be interesting to find out i'm surprised to see stoke slip into near the bottom of the table and of swansea are in a very similar position we were on the same points before our three collected at the weekend um but you know we came down together into the championship from premier league and maybe had a little bit different trajectories in the in-between time but kind of finding ourselves in the same boat right now definitely been a tricky task for us both to bounce back to the Premier League and I think if both sets of fans are honest it's probably quite far away from both of us at the moment and there needs to be a rebuilding job done for both clubs to get us back there and uh, you know perhaps right now neither is deserving of so but it'll be an interesting match I do expect it to be a tough game for Swansea I think Stoke will look to bounce back from managerial sacking and quite often see those sort of things happening um, be intrigued to see who you kind of go for whether it's going to be a similar sort of style I believe Stoke have tried some different things in the past 10 or so years you know some contrasting styles and tried mixing it up from when you were considered long ball sort of team to then play in sort of passing football and some of the players decided to do that and I've had good spells doing both um, so it'll be quite interesting to see the direction that Stoke do take going into this game um, I wouldn't be surprised to see maybe a draw with both teams pushing for a win but maybe scared to lose the game if that makes sense um, yeah it's it's very tough one to call for me our defence is probably our issue this season and probably ultimately the reason Michael Duff has been sacked, you know, goal scoring has not been terrible. But when you look at the you know, the results and really the reason for them, the defence has not been good enough. We conceded in too many goals and a lot of them are quite sloppy. Uh, you know, we conceded from a long throw in against Rotherham, so that's obviously continued on. It can't be all blamed on Michael Duff. I think it's just a persistent problem that he wasn't managed wasn't able to fix and that's probably what's cost him his job and what would be the the focus of whoever comes in to take over um, as well as changing the playing style more akin to what we call the Swansea way Uh, for yourselves then I think that will provide opportunities uh, for you to get out of defence because they're still quite ropey so I would would imagine there will be goals in the match Um, again can't call either way I'm going to go for a draw but a score draw so my prediction will probably be one all for this one um good luck with your managerial hunt i hope that we find our man uh, and it's not the same person that you were looking for i'm sure you will think likewise um good luck for the rest of the season hopefully we can both meet again well we will later this season but again in the in the same league next year thank you very much appreciate it so uh yeah they've gone for a 1-1 draw <sighs> what a take a 1-1 draw I think if it stops the rot in terms of losing, uh, I'll take it, I suppose. Uh, but I just desperately think we need to find a way to win. I don't care how we do it, uh, but I think a win is really, really important. Dan, w- what do you think to the 1-1 prediction? Yeah, 1-1. I suppose it stops the rot. There's nothing else, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think we could take another 1-0 home defeat. Uh, I suppose the thing is, as, you know, as Luke just said there on the Swans, he's got... Yeah, they without a manager too. I mean, they're, they're a bit further without a manager, aren't they? In a few games, but but yes, yeah, it'll be interesting. It's like two two sides with caretaker managers. Neither of them really knowing how you know they're really going to be setting up or what the plans are. It's going to make for a very interesting game. A lot of question marks hanging over this game, isn't there? 
mean, you know what? He threw my stats right out the window. <laughs> I was going to say, I was about to say your your stats and and all that business. I mean, the ref is probably the only one consistent thing that hasn't changed. Yeah, so I mean, I looked at, obviously I had Alex Neal's record against Swansea. We don't need that anymore. I had um, obviously Nathan Jones is the favourite for Swansea, and so I spoke. So I did. I thought, oh, I wonder if he'll get. I could obviously not say anyone, but I'll say if it is Nathan Jones by the time the game gets played, it'll be these. But I spoke to Luke, and he was like, there is not a single percentage chance that Nathan James comes to Swansea. Apparently, he did the old chest thumping in front of the uh, Swansea fans when he beat them with Luton. Um, so they hate him for that. He's a massive um, self-confessed party supporter, so that's a big no-no. I'm like, ah, yeah, he's not going there, then is he? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, no, they just wouldn't accept him at all. Um so yeah, so it's definitely not going to be Nathan Jones. So keep it, anyone who's thinking of putting money on that, keep keep it in your pocket. Let me tell you. Well, uh, yeah, I'll give you some head-to-head stats. So yeah, we've played Swansea 80 times. We have 33 wins, 22 draws, 25 defeats. At home, we've played them 38 occasions with 22 wins, 11 draws, and just the five defeats. In their last 12 home games, we've got eight wins, three draws, and just one loss. Now... Do you want to know one thing that tells me that we are definitely not losing to Swansea on Tuesday? Okay, I'm going to take a punt. Uh, why? I think we have a very good record in midweek games against Swansea, but I could be very wrong. So, Swan Stokes' last four home defeats to Swansea were in 1961. Yep. Okay. 1981. 2001 and 2021. So exactly 20 years between each game, the last four times we've lost at home to Swansea. So it doesn't matter how many times we play, and they are not going to win at Stoke until 2041. <laughs> <laughs> Is that because we'll be in the Premier League and we'll be so what's, far ahead on them playing? Start, though. Yeah, that, that is that is a it is a weird one, isn't it? The quirky um, army. Um Alex Neal's record against Swansea wasn't that good either. Two wins, three draws, four defeats. Uh, and when we beat them in February, that was the first time we'd won in eight games managing against Swansea. So there was probably no no point in waiting until after this game. <laughs> um, I'll tell you what, though. Stokes home form, 17th in the home table, 13 points. Um, so we are yeah, hoping to avoid three consecutive home losses for the second time this season. Uh, Swansea's away form has them eighth in the away table, also with 13 points. Uh, but their last three wins have all come away from home. They were at Rotherham, Blackburn, and Plymouth. Uh, last five matches, Stoke are 24th with one point, having no wins in six matches. Uh, while Swansea sit 19th in that league with five points. Uh, Saturday's win against Rotherham was their first victory in six. This is the 13th consecutive season that was Stoke and Swansea have been in the same division which is the longest run of anyone in the uh, Stoke well, and Swansea, I suppose, um, set up. Stoke have also conceded five injury time goals, inclu- uh, plus an 86-minute goal in their last four matches. Now, considering they've only conceded 10 goals in them four games, well, I say only 10, what I mean is there's 10, but five of them have actually been conceded in injury time, and six have been in the last four minutes of injury time, if you include that other one. Um, so, yeah, they've been doing fine until the, the latter stages of the games, it appears. Um, Stoke haven't scored at home 280 minutes. That was an own goal. So, yeah, 403 minutes since the Stoke player scored 
at the Bet365 Stadium, which I mentioned earlier on, uh, and that was Luke McNally against Sunderland. Uh, referee is David Webb. He has ref 14 games a season, 57 yellows, one red, give one penalty, six home wins, five draws, three away wins. He's ref Stoke on 11 occasions, given us just 17 yellows, no reds, no penalties for the Potters, but two against. We have three wins, six draws, and two defeats. Um, he last ref us in the 1-0 away defeat to Millwall in August. Uh, he's ref Swansea on 15 occasions, 19 yellows, zero reds, two penalties for the Swans, one against them. They've got five wins, six draws, four defeats. And he last ref them in their 3-0 away win at Norwich in April. He's ref over 500 matches as a pro and been on the EFL list since 2008. Um, on this day, September, uh, sorry, on this day, Saturday the 12th of December, 1998, Without the suspended Peter Thorne and Graham Kavanagh, Stoke were at a toothless up front in a goalless draw against Gillingham. And at that point in the season, Stoke had only been off the top of the league for four days all season. Toothless up front, that sounds familiar. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> what I was thinking. <laughs> well, from um, what I've heard about them ref stats, mate, then he, he likes to give a home win. And uh, do we, do we do have a pretty... A constant knack of playing Swansea midweek. Have you noticed? Whether it's home yeah. or away, I don't get that. Yeah, it's, it's, it is weird, isn't it? Because it's not as if it's local. So it's an absolute horror trip for them Swansea fans. Keep coming up here and let's keep going down there midweek. Yeah, I'm just. A, I, uh, I mean, you've got you've got a feel from. I think it's a reciprocal. Um, deal as well on the whole ticket situation I think, I swear it was 20 or 25 quid um, as well wasn't it but was it 25 pound um, ticket prices that we've agreed to It is yes and that will yeah. obviously be reciprocal to Swansea as well Yeah exactly, so I think it, like I say, I'm not quite sure how this is going to go, whether we're going to have a decent crowd or not to be honest, it's going to be bloody cold so whatever you do make sure you wrap up because that stadium is cold at the best of times Um but uh, but yeah, so I'm hoping that the referee is going to be a good omen for us, Dan. I think we we could do with a win just to perk things up a little bit. Uh, what's your score prediction going going to be? I'm going to say that all the cobwebs come off, and somehow, whether the players are doing it for Neil as like a tribute, or whether the shackles are just freed from him, whatever. I think they got there and they went three one. Oh God's sake! You've done it again, <laughs> mate. I should not let you go first. Right, okay. I'm going to wind it in a little bit then. I'm going to reduce my 3-1 to a 2-1 win instead. Um, I just I just don't think we can lose again at home. <laughs> it's not fair on, on everyone who goes. It really isn't. So, yeah, I'm going to go for a 2-1 win. Um, I know we don't normally do Super 6 uh, in, in the week, but I've got it up in front of me, Dan, so I'm going to do Super 6 very, very quickly anyway. I had an absolute disastrous round. I got two points. I was on, I think, seven at one point, and I've completely got smashed um, in the, the previous time. But uh, Jill uh, got 13, Michael got 12, and Charlie and Glenn both on 11. Uh, you were quite a respectable seven out of that, mate. So you've got yeah. um, a nice bit of a gap there, actually. Uh, I'm trying to see where you are for the season. Do you know where you are? I mean, I, I know I'm 61st at this minute I'm out of 161. 53rd? Oh, okay. Okay. So you've. I'm you've guess. Uh... That's a complete guess. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> I thought you were thought telling you me you were 53rd thought, then. I thought, I thought you were asking, like, do you know? I guess. You are 47th, my friend. You were. Uh, 
gone up six places, so you're back on top again. Very, very close. Yeah, you've got 177 for the season. I've got 170. So it's literally one week flip again. So it's going to be yeah. quite close all year, I think. You've just got to wait for me um, to get you again, haven't you? Uh, I, you know what, I, I, I do need you to stop uh, playing for at least a week, but uh, <laughs> I do need to submit my uh, my predictions. Um, so, is there anything else you wanted to do? I think you wanted to do a Who Am I this week. Yes. Yeah, so anything else we'll talk about Swansea first, though? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, the thing is, it's a bit of a tough one. I mean, sorry to shortchange the listeners and that, but I, we we can't really decide for anything tactical or anything like that. Cause no. no. <laughs> no, if you if you think that we're yeah being as you said a, a little bit light or um a little bit I don't know maybe not our normal personalities I'm not sure I think we're just a little bit um I don't know I think we're just a bit worn out with the whole situation <laughs> for money. It's like so, I, I can't tell you how Swans are going to set up because they've got a caretaker manager and I, I spoke to Luke to try and get something from his end and he's like I haven't got a clue mate I have not got an idea how, how he's going to approach this game I was like okay I can't even get that. We we literally just sacked our manager three or four hours ago, so we've got no idea how we're gonna you know approach it, do we? Or Paul Gallagher? There's no no previous matches for him or or Shawcross to to understand how they're going to approach it. Um, if I was them, I suppose that's what we could do. If I was them, I would literally just say we need fast tempo football. You need to move the ball quickly, and you need to take risks. You need to take risks because that's what's going to get the fans on side with you. Because if if the results continue to go, the the, the minute the players have had a bit of a free ride, it's been the manager getting in the neck. But if the players now continue to play the same way with the shackles all on them and you know and without any sort of freedom, the fans will quickly say, "Hang on a minute, he might not be the problem. I think you might be the problem." Yeah, exactly that, mate. It's it is going to work one of two ways. Um, it's going to be interesting at the very, very least. So you're right. We, we It's very hard for us to decipher anything. Um, so, yeah, hopefully, uh, listeners, you will appreciate our situation right now. Um, bit of news, by the way. Um, Dan is going to be on uh, Talk Sport 2. Uh, so we're going to be on Talk Sport tomorrow, so Monday around quarter past six. So if you'd like to hear the dulcet tones of Daniel Buxton, uh, maybe myself, um, work might get in the way, but uh, if you'd like to listen to that, then uh, by all means, uh, feel free to tune in. Just talking about, obviously, Alex Neal and, and the whole situation. But Dan, uh, did you have a Who Am I, I believe, for me? No doubt I'm not going to get this because I'm shocking Who Am I, but I think you may have one. I do indeed. Are you ready? And while you're finding that, that comment I made about the whole Dubai trip came from John Percy. So that was absolutely accurate, by the way. If he says it, you know it's you know it's been true. Number one, I scored 31 goals in 130 matches for Stoke across two spells, both under Tony Pulis. I'm sorry, I was on mute. Um <laughs> 31 goals. Uh, Fuller. Not Ricardo Fuller. I first joined Stoke from Southampton on loan before later joining from Sunderland. Uh, um, Delap? No. Not Delap? Can't be Delap. Um, uh, do you want me to get the next clue? You said Delap, so do you want the next clue? I've got Kevin Jones in my head, but yeah, go on. I injured my ankle on my second debut, forcing me to be subbed off on a stretcher after 14 minutes. John Terry once said I was the toughest opponent he faced at that time in the Premier League. You, you, and you may have uttered his name earlier on. You sort of said, "I've got, such, I've got somebody in my head." 
Who number five is I scored in the 5 0 FA Cup semi final win over Bolton? No, Kevin Jones. I did yeah. say Kevin, didn't I? Oh, for God's yeah. sake. Uh, after the second clue, you said the lap, and then as, as I moved on, you went, I've got Cameron Jones in my head. And I thought, oh, it's all right, you'll get this then now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I should have just gone with Cameron. Why did I second guess myself? <laughs> so, I mean, I overthink these things. That's why I don't like it. <laughs> uh, what you like? Well, unlucky. You sort of got it, but... Yeah, sort of got it, but um, I just need to be a bit more... Uh... Solid with my convictions, I guess. Um, never mind. I will bring one to yourself, Dan. I'll uh, I'll I'll bring one to you next week. We'll we'll go with that. And I'm going to make it extremely bloody difficult because you are excellent at these. So, yeah, I'd uh, like Justin or someone like that. Oh, I'm going to find someone who was born in 1903, and you know, he's got, got three three. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, uh, he is one. I was a midfielder and was born in 1912. <laughs> also scoring 31 goals. Uh, Gra- Graham Aylock. I have no idea. <laughs> no, Billy Tempest. There you go, you rubbish. Um, <laughs> I'm only joking. Cool. Okay. Well, it's a pretty tiring podcast, that one. Um, anything else that you wanted to discuss, Dan, before we wrap this up and absolutely pray for three points on, on Tuesday? No, other than... Yeah, we the, the fans have called for his head. A lot of you know, obviously there was a lot of uh, rumours of discontent after that last game, and he'd been going on building for a few weeks. But you know, this is let's draw a line in the sand now. Let's get behind the players. Let's go out there Tuesday. Let's you know, sing our hearts out for them, and let's drive them on for three valuable points, and let's get ourselves away from that relegation zone as quickly as possible. Make us you know, the quicker we do that, the more and more. Um, the more and more favourable we'll be looked on by these managers who are looking for a bit of work right now as well. Yeah, absolutely. So everybody else, enjoy the rest of your game uh, and uh, go on Stoke. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.